0: the fourth and final hour of First Up here on TSN 1050. We'll get to wake up Woodbridge in just a moment. Mo Egger from ESPN Radio in Cincinnati. will look at the Bengals perspective of the AFC title game coming up on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of last year's AFC title game won by Cincinnati. And, of course, Cincinnati goes on to the Super Bowl, ultimately losing to the Rams. Can you the Rams were in the Super Bowl last year? Doesn't that seem weird? Considering Dude, they weren't the season, in the Super Bowl. They, they, they won, won the Super Bowl. I know. And, and they have five <laughs> wins this year. Absolutely brutal season. We'll talk to Jack Armstrong at 930. But we were talking about this during the break. Today's the three-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant, it's Gianna's Bryant, and seven others' death in that helicopter crash. It, it seems like it was so long ago, but also so recent. And right. I guess that's a byproduct of the pandemic and the last couple of years that we've been living through. But I, I remember exactly where I was when I first read Dude. that and the text coming in, and you're like Kobe, like no way. This I remember the pit in my hoax. stomach. Yeah,
1: hearing about it and still, still thinking about it about that tragic. Lost to, you know, the world and, you know, the tragic, you know, devastating accident that they were all involved in. It's just, it's soul crushing to even think about still that that actually happened.
0: Yeah, it was three years ago today. Wow. I mean, yeah. it kind of feels like it was longer, but it also kind of feels like it was yesterday. And I know. Maybe it's as crazy. you get older, that's God kind of bless, how life God is. God bless the Bryant yeah, family and everybody, uh, all the other families that were
1: involved, too, man. That is wild. Seven others, in
0: addition to Kobe and his daughter, uh, passed away that day. Um, truly just harrowing stuff. Harrowing stuff. In any case, it's time for a wake up Woodbridge. No easy way to segue from some really sad, a really sad anniversary uh, to uh, wake up Woodbridge, but we're going to do it. We've got some great callers on the line. Let's hit it, Chrissy. Time to make the call. Now, what's this number? Who making this call? I don't know what's this number. What is this number?
2: Wake up, Woodbridge. One
1: wake
0: up,
1: Woodbridge. That's right. So wake me up when okay, so this is Wake Up Woodbridge. We want you to call in and give us all your takes, all your thoughts, all your suggestions. But I'm looking at the name of the callers, and I know Cheese. You do a great job. Grinding away, guest chases, getting good people to come and join us as guests on our show. I'm looking at one of the callers. Do we have Josh Hamilton, like the former <laughs> baseball player, calling to be a guest on our show right now? Wake it up, be. Beach.
0: And on line three, are you Josh Hamilton, former Texas Rangers great?
1: Yes, I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you have me all excited there, Josh. Josh.
0: in Hamilton, though. In Josh Hamilton.
3: in Hamilton. <laughs> nice. Are you okay. Are you guys doing all right?
0: We're doing, doing great, buddy. buddy. What's going on doing with you? Great.
3: Not much, not much. I enjoyed that game yesterday. It was great. I heard you talk about my Rams just before uh, I got on here. I'd say I am a Rams fan. One wow. of three or four in all of Canada, I think. And, uh, and okay. L.A. too. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I'm okay with fifteen years of darkness after selling everything to get that championship. It was yeah. great to watch with my dad. Anyways, that game last night, great game. Uh good teams find a way to win and how about that goalie? What's his name again? Slippy swami swanee, swanee. Oh, it's right here. Samsonov. <laughs> nice. Oh wow, he played great, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he sure did, Ben. I mean, just you you, you can't you can't sit here and not be amazed at You know, just the record and the level of play that Ilya Samsonov has provided for the Maple Leafs this year. I mean, it's been, you know, super impressive, super impressive. 14-0-1
0: Fourteen zero and one is Ilya Samsonov on home ice this year with ridiculous numbers, too, right? The goals against, the same percentage approaching 940. I mean, this guy's been a superstar on yeah. home ice, and I'm, I've said it before. I'll probably say it again before this show is over. I'd keep riding him. I'd give him the start on Friday against Ottawa. If he wins again, start him again on Sunday yeah. against Washington. Why mess with the way that he's been playing. And I get it, Matt Murray needs to find some starts along the way. There'll be opportunities. But when you have a guy who's as hot as Samsonov is, yeah. I, don't, I don't see why you'd go away from him. Well, good thing that Al's brother is not
1: the Maple Leafs GM because he'd probably wake up this morning and sign into a contract five years, $5 million. <laughs> uh, according it might be low. What's Vasilevsky really low. getting? And look, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sitting here and saying that, you know, Maybe that couldn't be an option for the Maple Leafs, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that the way the Maple Leafs have viewed the goaltending position over the last three years, they don't want to pay that position big money. And so if Samsonov is a guy that you like and you think could be a future for this team, the only way I think he sticks around is if you find a way to move on from Matt Murray. They are not carrying nine million dollars in goaltending next year no and i think you're also
0: you're also gonna have to look at perhaps a shorter term as well for samson Because i don't think the Leafs have any interest in paying big money or giving out multiple years because here's the thing with goaltending goaltending coco you know it as well as anybody it is extremely fickle from year to year right. you never really know if you're gonna get the same type of performance you got last year this year and you know look at edmonton I mean, and jack campbell as a, as a prime example of that
1: Absolutely, and and look, Jack Campbell. Look, he he played some great hockey for the Maple Leafs. You can't you can't take that away from him. He got his contract that he deserved. And did he have some struggles along the way so far in Edmonton? Yeah, but it looks like he's bouncing back. You know, I think he's won six in a row since he's had the net, and that's 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 for him to decide. But clearly, the Maple Leafs didn't want to commit to him long term. And I think what we've also seen with the Maple Leafs, they're comfortable winning games like with with Eric Schulzgren and you know they've got Joseph Wall, who they're very high on in the Mar in, in, with the with the Mar- Marlies and the Miners, who's by the way has won 11 straight games and is 11 and 0 on the season. So when they're evaluating that position, as great as Samsonov is, I don't think they're
0: going to commit to him long term. I agree. You know who we would sign to long-term here on First Up is our next caller, Jack from Uxbridge. Eight-year deal, max term for you, Jack. What's going on?
3: Oh, I love it. I'll take that deal any day of the week. No problem. Good morning. You deserve
0: it, man. You deserve
3: it. <laughs> hey, I like your last caller. Uh, he said he enjoyed the game last night. There's been a couple of games recently that that they were lucky to win. They they had some bounces go their way last night, and Samsonov played great. But I wouldn't say that team has played really really well. There's some forwards that have been you know going, but the defense is uh, there's been some lapses that you know I I just I'm just looking at a sloppy. They looked really slow last night. That they get some breaks uh, here and there. Yes, they did. They uh, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm not seeing what uh, maybe other people are seeing that. They're playing great games. I I think Samsonoff is a great goalie. You guys touched on it. I I look at teams that bring up a guy like you know Skinner out in Edmonton that's got the net most of the time or as much time as Campbell. Teams aren't going crazy on goaltenders anymore because they're, they're just if you luck into a great one, great yeah that's good. But you know to go and have goalies that from one year to the next fall off the, the face of the earth in their play. I just don't I agree. I don't think people are going to put the money in there. But, you know, again, I, I'm I'm liking that the Leafs are pulling out wins, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they're going to do to, to get them over the hump of what they need to be tough to play against in the playoffs because, as we saw last year and every year, once you get in the playoffs, it's a different style of play, and you better be tough to play against, and they have to start playing that way.
1: oh Jack, I... I, I don't think I can disagree with you about, you know, being excited about what this team's going to do moving forward. I think everybody in Toronto is excited about what this team's going to do moving forward. But we can't sit here and analyze, you know, every single shift and every single period of the Maple Leafs in the middle of a season. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to be happy with the results and they're finding ways to win games, even if you don't think they're playing well, or even if they don't deserve to win, I mean, that's usually a sign of what good teams represent is they find ways to win games that maybe they shouldn't. And, you know, I think what we have to appreciate, too, is that they're not going to play perfect every game. And I don't think the Maple Leafs want to play perfect every game because even if you look at the way they're maneuvering their lineup on a nightly basis, they're doing it by trying – they're giving guys options to come up from the, from the minors, like Joey Anderson got yesterday. They're figuring out right now what they have and where they fit. And so sometimes when you do that, you have to mix and match. You're probably not going to get the best execution. You're probably not going to get the best level. You're going to have your down nights like they did on Saturday night, in Montreal, because maybe you just can't get too, too excited or get, they get that amped up for that type of matchup knowing that you're playing against one of the worst teams in the league. But overall, I mean, you know, I was talking to Frankie about this yesterday when we were doing the CHL top prospects game. It's hard some days to come up with
0: Leaf content because everything is so good around this team right now. That's it. And when you're talking about trying, oh, should they trade for a depth defenseman? Should they trade for right. a, a bottom six forward? Like, sure. But this is not a team that is in desperate need of anything. No. Because they've gotten... A really consistent performance, basically from the beginning, well, maybe not the beginning of the season, maybe seven games in and, and and beyond, and that's kind of difficult for us to generate content, but there's so many good performances to look back on, including Samsonov, including what Mitch Marner did last night, William Nylander all year long, so I guess that's the kind of stuff we need to focus on, which perhaps isn't as... Hmm. Well, what's the word I keep not compelling would be the wrong word. But, you know, early on in the season when they were really struggling and people were calling for the, the jobs of Keith and to trade this guy and trade that guy, it's a lot more a lot more animosity. Uh, in the fan base, and not so much at this point in time, which I think ultimately is a good thing. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're feeling real good right now. They are in the AFC Championship game. They're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, and we go to Cincinnati on the other side to talk to Mo Egger from ESPN Radio. He covers the Bengals. He joins us next. We're back here on First Up, Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo with you, looking ahead to the weekend, no doubt, and looking ahead to the title games in the AFC and the NFC. We see a rematch of last year in the AFC, where Cincinnati taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of questions surrounding the health of Patrick Mahomes. Maybe we got some answers. Let's head down to Cincinnati now and catch up with Mo Egger from ESPN Radio in Cincinnati, the host of the Mo Egger podcast. What's going on, Mo? How are we doing? We're good, man. We're good. How are Bengals fans and ESPN Radio in Cincinnati hosts feeling about Patrick Mahomes' health following the full practice participation yesterday? Well,
2: I don't think anybody was ever wondering whether or not he's going to play. Uh, I think the question is... How much pain is he going to be dealing with by the time Sunday comes around? He talked yesterday and said, you know, all systems go. He was a full participant in practice. But I I, I think once Sunday gets here and the temperatures have dipped below 32 degrees, it's going to be interesting. But, look, I mean, we we that team, and I think most fans, believe that Patrick Mahomes on uh, a compromised leg is better than 99% of human beings with uh, two healthy legs. And so I think as we get closer to Sunday, it's obviously going to be something they focus on in Kansas City. It's I can't imagine Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing, you know, completely pain-free. But I think the fact that he went yesterday is an encouraging sign for Kansas City. And uh, if he's out there, uh, whether it's compromised, whether it's 100%, whether it's on one leg, he's still Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, he sure is. And uh, I think we're all being played like fools with – the whole uh, high ankle sprain that doesn't look like a high ankle sprain if you watched mm-hmm. them play in practice yesterday. Uh, Mo, I want to talk to you about the Bengals because they're a team that seems to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, especially in the last couple of weeks, and... You know, they feel disrespected by the NFL and everybody in the league that, you know, counted them out against, you know, the Bills and even the old coin toss theory where they were mocking that whole theory in week 18 against the Ravens. Now they did escape with a win against the Ravens. They got lucky, but good teams create their own lock. But do you think, why, why is it that the Bengals feel disrespected in this
2: moment? I think this is a team that, uh, for whatever reason, what works for them is creating, whether they are real or slightly contrived or completely contrived slights to motivate them. You know, I watched the Georgia Bulldogs win the, the college football playoff national championship. And after the game, I listened to Georgia players talk about how we proved the doubters wrong. Nobody believed in us. This shuts up all the critics. It's about time we get our respect, and I'm going, well, my memory's not great, but they won the title last year. Last year. <laughs> they were the number one team in the country most of this season. They're an NFL factory. They never lost a game this year. Was there someone out there that I didn't hear who thought they would go 7-5? and five? The point being, th- there are, there's a lengthy list of athletes and, and collective teams that have, you know, come up with ways to give themselves an edge. I watched a 10-part documentary two and a half years ago about Michael Jordan, and the central theme of the entire thing was this dude's competitiveness is fueled by, at times, either real or completely made-up slights. This team is similar. Look, logically, with the whole neutral site AFC championship game that would have been played had Casey and Buffalo made it— um, the Bengals sold tickets to an AFC championship game in the event that they would have hosted it against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Teams do this all the time. Logically, you and I know that, um, but there's a difference between the real world and inside the mind of an athlete who's looking for an edge. And the Bengals have a bunch of those sort of guys. Zach Taylor fully admitted the head coach on Monday. Yeah. I scour every corner of the internet looking for things that I can give my players that they might rally around. It, it works for this team. Now, I think the angle this week, honestly, is kind of hard. Look, they're, they're slight favorites, as of right now. They've beaten the Chiefs three times since last January. Um, they're supposed to win this football game. They clearly belong there, and so I think the disrespect angle, I, I get fatigued by it when I hear it from fans. But when when the players and coaches, if, if it works for them, then far be it for any of us to have any qualms with the methods they use to give themselves an edge bring themselves together, and I think he has a very good sense of kind of the the temperature of his team, the pulse of his team, and that's the job of a coach. And, again, I, I, I think he feeds into that. It works for this team, or at least it has so far. Going
1: into Sunday's game against the Bills, there was a lot of talk about the Cincinnati Bengals being at a disadvantage, down three offensive linemen now don't really have a running game playing in Buffalo where they've only lost one game in their their franchise existence at Highmark Stadium in the playoffs but they put together the most perfect game plan to win that game they, they, they outcoached they outclassed, they outplayed the Buffalo Bills were you surprised to see them come out with that dominant of a victory?
2: I don't think you would ever call the Bengals a finesse team, but but on the scale of, you know, being just this smash mouth, powerful, physically dominant football team all the way over here and finesse on the other side, they're probably closer to finesse, or at least that's the perception. So to see them on both sides of the football physically bully the Buffalo Bills, I think was surprising, especially, yeah. you know, given who they didn't have on the offensive line. That to me is, is the thing that stood out more than anything. The Bengals just physically whipped them. You're right. This team's running game this season has been very uneven. It, it hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been as good as you would like. It's not been as good as you would think with the caliber of, of running backs they, they're supposed to have. It's not been as good as you would like given the investment they made in the guys who were on the offensive line for most of the season. So to see them run for over 170 yards and to see Joe Mixon run with power and finish runs the way he did against Buffalo, I think those things were, were pretty surprising. Now, how much of that translates into success on Sunday? Look, at, at the end of the day, they're probably still going to be playing with three backup offensive linemen. Uh, offensive linemen. Um, but I tell you what, if if you get that run game or anything close to it, I don't know how Kansas City prepares for that offense because Joe Burrow is elite, and he's elite at, at taking care of the football, at uh, not making mistakes, at making the right read, and he certainly has a wealth of
0: uh, targets that uh, can make you pay if he makes the right lead. Mo Egger is our guest. He is the afternoon host on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati and the host of the Mo Egger podcast. What is the level of optimism in Cincinnati regarding the Bengals right now, Mo? I mean, it must be really high at the moment, but if you flash back a week, I mean, Cincinnati almost lost to Baltimore. If it wasn't for that Tyler Huntley fumble at right. the goal line, we could be talking about the Ravens in the AFC title game potentially. So have the fans' focus kind of shifted and maybe put that Baltimore game in the rear view and just looking ahead to Kansas City and the 3-0 record they, had, they have against them in the last year or so?
2: I think there's a lot of optimism. I think, and and, and look, the the expectations have changed, right? I mean, a year ago in this game, Cincinnati was a seven-point dog. Uh, They had come off a four-win season. The fact that they were playing in the AFC Championship game was incredible. And so it kind of had the house money feel to it. Now you've beaten this team three straight times, came off maybe your best performance of the season against Buffalo. You know, they skated by against the Baltimore Ravens, which sometimes you have to do. We certainly saw them do it in the postseason uh, last year. And, you know, we we talked about how that Baltimore game was kind of an extension of, of the playoffs last year because it mirrored how they won all those games against AFC opponents. But, yeah, I mean, look, uh, with, with the way they've played against Kansas City and the way they played against Buffalo, I, I don't know how you're not, if you're a Cincinnati fan, I don't know how you're not really, really optimistic about their chances. I think there's obviously also an understanding that, first of all, Uh, You you know who the quarterback of that other team is. I think there's also an understanding that Kansas City's defensive front, I think, is significantly better than Buffalo's. They're going to have to tangle with Chris Jones, who can absolutely wreck everything you're trying to do. And look, there's also this. Those three games that the Bengals have played against the Chiefs, it's not like Cincinnati routed them. You know, It's not like they did to KC what they did against Buffalo. Uh, The first time they played late in the season last year, they fell behind 14-0. They never took an offensive snap while leading the game. The same thing applied against KC uh, in the uh, AFC title game last year. They were down 21-3. to They had to stage this furious comeback. They win the game in overtime. And even the game uh, about six weeks ago, you know, the Bengals came out, got off to a great start, but they were trailing in the fourth quarter. And Kansas City had the football, and at midfield. Mm-hmm. And then Travis Kelsey had the ball knocked out of his hands. Jermaine Pratt knocked it out. Cincinnati took over. Bengals score a game-winning touchdown. The games have been close. The margin of error has been razor thin. And so while there's a lot of optimism, I don't think anybody lacks the sense that this is going to be still an uphill battle, this team going to Kansas City and beating this team for a fourth time in about 55 weeks.
0: Yeah, it's going to be such a good game on Sunday. I think both games this weekend are just – I think the four best teams in the NFL are, are still in the mix, and I think that's a great thing for the weekend ahead. You'll be covering it on your show, on your station, uh, ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, I'm sure, on your podcast as well. He is Mo Egger. Thank you for doing this, Mo. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Mo Egger from Cincinnati. Probably delving deep into some skyline chili this afternoon. It's the only oh. thing I really know about Cincinnati. Did, yeah, didn't That's we have that thing.
1: conversation last year about Cincinnati? How there's there's this unbelievable chili that is made in that place? I
0: don't I don't know what Skyline Chili is. You know what we'll do? We'll go to break. We have Jack Armstrong on the other side. We'll figure out what Skyline Chili is because That is what the city of Cincinnati is most known for. I guess Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and then number two, Skyline Chili. Well,
1: didn't they used to have that famous TV show called W.A.K.R.P. in
0: Cincinnati? W.K.R.P. in Cincinnati, yes. That's a little bit before our time. That
1: catchy song, too, they had. W.K.R.P. in Cincinnati.
0: (laughs) I'm sure Jack Armstrong watched that show. I used to watch it.
1: Well, I never used to watch it. There was a show I used to watch every day when I came home from school, and then – That show followed the show that I watched. So it was was a song that was catchy in my head. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe we'll play that for you on the other side. We've got Jack Armstrong standing by. My fan duel, Best Bets as well. A very busy final half hour for this Thursday morning here on First Up. Coming on your way next we are giving away a pair of raptors tickets listen to each hour of the first up podcast for a clue to the identity of a former or current raptors player once you have all the clues and you know the identity of the player you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win the tickets here is your clue our fourth and final clue for the Reveal That Raptor contest here on First Up. This Toronto Raptor averaged more than seven assists per game during his time with the Raps. The fourth hour of First Up continues here on TSN 1050. The Toronto Raptors' big win late last night against the Sacramento Kings, a game that ended well after 1230. So it's very kind of our man Jack Armstrong from the Raptors on TSN to get up early oh yes he was up late gets up early and join us here on the show good morning jack how you doing
4: good morning aaron how you doing
0: i'm fantastic thank you before we get into the raps jack we were talking about skyline chili in cincinnati we had a guest on from cincinnati in the previous segment have you ever tried skyline chili in cincinnati
4: uh yes i have many many years ago uh i used to work uh (laughs) pete Gillen, who was the head coach at Xavier University in Cincinnati, and then Skip Prosser, who who succeeded him. They were both very good friends of mine. So I used to go out and uh, uh, work Xavier University basketball camp when I was a young coach and then coached against those guys out there. So I've been to Cincinnati many times in my recruiting travels. So, yes, Mm. uh, I've been there. And and, uh, I'll give you another one. Uh, If you like ribs – the Montgomery Inn Boathouse, uh, right down. Oh, in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, the wow. Montgomery Inn, a Montgomery Inn, and uh, it's outstanding. If you like ribs, they got fabulous ribs there. So, uh, oh, who doesn't yeah, like Cincinnati ribs? Cincinnati's a good town, good sports town.
1: Nice. So, does the chili live up to the hype? You would say yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Right Absolutely. Maybe that there's like sense. a market
0: here in Toronto. Like we're missing like a skyline chili restaurant, which would be a huge success. Would you be interested in investing with Carlo and I, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> You know what he says to that? Yeah. <laughs> Get
4: that garbage <laughs> out of here.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not bonjour, that's for sure. <laughs> it would actually
4: it, I honestly it would actually do quite well.
0: <laughs> Dude,
1: I tell you right now, my favorite thing to do, and I don't know if there are one that exists. Soup and sandwich place. <laughs> I, honestly, like you go, you get a nice bowl of soup, oh. chili, beef barley, stracciatella, wedding, and you combine that with a nice sandwich? Oh, the best.
4: Well, The you about to, best. like, like For example, a day like today, it's chilly. Yes. You know, the snow just <laughs> stopped. And it's a perfect day to have soup and, and a sandwich. I I agree with yeah. you. Now, maybe in the middle of August when it's a little hot, those might be quiet days, but uh, yeah. on wintry days like today it would be ideal. The best. Jack
0: Armstrong, Raptors on TSN, our guest. Raps last night, I mean, a great performance, mostly defensively, Jack. I mean, they held Sacramento to 91 points. That's their lowest offensive output all year. Sacramento has been a great offensive team, and they had Fox and Sabonis and Herder, all their main guys in the lineup. And what that says to me more than anything, there's a lot of people, kind of including myself, who've written the Raptors off and saying, ah, oh, these guys are going to tank. They're going on the road where they've been so terrible. They're just going to pack it in. But clearly, at least last night, Jack, that was not the case. You know, it's
4: interesting. They've been in every game. You know, they've lost a lot of them, but they've been in games. I mean, they're, they're, they've overwhelmingly been quite competitive. Uh, you know, a lot of it has been, uh, you know, give, giving up leads in the fourth quarter and defensive breakdowns, but but they've been in games and they're as healthy as they've been. You know, obviously, uh, you know, now having Precious Achua back, they're a different team and a team that can be very competitive and has been very competitive with everybody that they play. So, you know, the final six games of this trip coming up, You know, I fully expect them to be able to be competitive with all the teams that they play. How many they win, how many they lose, I have no idea. Uh, But nonetheless, if they guard like they guarded last night, uh, they give themselves a great chance. I mean, look, they forced Sabonis, who had 23 straight double-doubles, into just a horrible night. He didn't have a double-double, and he turned the ball over nine times. Uh, so they did a phenomenal job frustrating him, and then when you when you couple that with uh, the job that they did on Fox, uh, forcing him to have four turnovers, and he looked uncomfortable and offbeat all night, uh, they did a really good job. And, and again, you could say, well, it's Sacramento. No, Sacramento going into the game last night was the number three seed in the uh, Western Conference and the highest scoring team in the NBA, so... They're not your uh, your father's uh, Sacramento Kings. They're, they're a team that uh, is is good. They're gonna, uh, you know, as long as they stay healthy, they'll be a playoff team, and uh, you know they're gonna make some noise. So they're good. So that's a, a heck of a win last night, particularly on the road.
1: Yeah, it sure is, uh, Jack. But it comes at a confusing time for Raptor fans, and maybe even for the Raptors because of where they stand in the standings. They're still one game out of the tenth seed. Uh, for the play-in round. And we haven't really heard anything from Masai or Bobby Webster as to what their sense of direction is for this team. And and you have a good pulse for this team, watching them every night, and obviously your, 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 your own analysis of this team, even just basically on what you just said about them being in every game. But, you know, Fred Van Vliet is, is a big topic of conversation about a player that's highly sought after and a player that's, you know, beloved in toronto because of who he is and what he represents what would your approach be for this team and and fred van vliet's future
4: well number one you're not going to hear anything from Masai and bobby until the trade deadline ends <laughs> uh you know they, they that's how they operate and uh which is fine uh because it's you know they have to get deals done or at least listen to deals or propose deals. So uh, the more quiet it is and more uh, keeping things close-ranked, that's the way to operate. Um, You know, with Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr., the challenge is that these guys theoretically could walk uh, with their option and be unrestricted free agents, and now you don't get any value in return for that. And obviously you could say, well, we could take it to the summer and try to do a sign-and-trade, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but th- th- that gets complicated, and a lot of teams don't want to do you any favors. So, uh, to me, I-, I think it's it's about asset retention, and and or uh, you know at least getting whatever you can for those assets. So that's that's the decision you have to make with those two guys is how or how you're going to structure it. And look, the Raptors are-, are a team that's over the cap, yet they're not in the luxury tax ca- category. So, you know, they're they're a team that uh, even, you know, with certain moves, probably aren't going to be an under-the-cap team that has a lot of money to play with to attract free agents. And as we know, how many real big free agents have the Raptors ever gotten in 28 years? Uh, You know, they've usually operated uh, via trade market and then around the margins uh, in terms of player development and obviously through the draft and, and player development. And they've done a very good job with that. So that's the model you probably have to build with if you're the Raptors. So with that being said, uh, you know, if if for a Fred Van Vliet or a Gary Trent Jr. or both or neither, whatever you, you reach a point where you say, if, if I trade these guys, then I'm probably bringing back pieces uh, that have longer terms on their contract because I'm already over the cap, yet I'm not in the tax. And so that's one way to look at it. And then the other thing is futures, meaning can you get a, a pick or two attached to the transaction? So I, I think those are probably the the things that you look at. Um, I love Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. I hope they stay. And uh, at the same time, I respect that they're – independent contractors and uh you know they're going to look to uh, do what's best for them and uh, sometimes that doesn't necessarily fit the what the raptors want so uh you know only time will tell what what exactly happens but uh do both of those guys have value on the open market absolutely yes as free agents do they have value on the trade market i would say absolutely yes so um I'm sure where there's smoke, there'll be some fire. The question is uh, where the Raptors want to go with this. I mean, let's, for example, say Fred VanVleet would depart. Uh, who's your point guard? You know, yeah. is, are you going to go full-time with a, a Pascal Siak on that door, a Scotty Barnes as your full-time point guard, or do you have to get a point guard in a trade? Um, you know, and then there's all these other things. I mean, a guy like OG Ananobi has a lot of value on the market. Uh, you know, where where do you want to go with this? I, I, You know, obviously is getting into the play-in situation, and do you feel like if you got in, you could qualify for the playoffs, and then if you qualify for the playoffs, uh, would your team be good enough to advance into the second round? So what's the objective, I guess, it would be the bigger thing right now? So many
0: questions, so few answers. Jack Armstrong from the Raptors on TSN, our guest here on First Up. Jack, Fred Van Vliet, undrafted players, been with the Raptors, Raptors 905, been part of the organization for a long time, what, seven, eight, nine years at this point. But Gary Trent was traded for a couple of years ago. I'm uncertain about his level of commitment, like how eager is he to be a Toronto Raptor in
4: the long term? Are you privy to any information on that front? I'm not. What I am privy to is watching him and being around him. And the guy's a pro. I mean, he, I'm really impressed by him. He's a very, uh, he has a nice way about him personally. And then professionally, He's a professional. I mean, he works really hard at it. He's dedicated. He's very serious. Um, he's, a, he only, he's a very young player, and he's a young player that's improving. So I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing from him right now. And I think that not only do I like him, I think the Raptors like him, and I think a lot of other teams like him. And I think he's a – you know, if you're buying a stock, uh, it's a stock with upside and potential. And his best days are ahead of him, uh, in terms of you know what his feeling is on Toronto and not. I think obviously uh, you know money talks in a lot of situations, and term yep. talks as well. so um hey look, this market uh i i I don't know I haven't met a player in the last ten, fifteen years that's played here that turns around and says they had a bad experience playing here. They love it. I mean, this market is incredible. The fan base, the support, um, just, it's it's incredible the opportunities players have here versus uh, being in a market like a Memphis or an Oklahoma City or a Charlotte or, a, uh, you know, those. Are some, this is a huge market. This is the third largest market in, in pro sports. This is a big deal. And I think too often... Uh, in Toronto, people get so concerned with, well, you know, uh, it's, it's not the U.S. And no, I, this market is so much better than the overwhelming majority of the NBA franchises and markets that exist, uh, the other 29 that exist in the U.S. This is a great, great, great situation for a player and an incredible place to play. And guys love it. Um so to me uh, I I don't worry about stuff like that. Well, does he like it here? Well, guess what? Uh go play in Oklahoma City or Charlotte <laughs> or places like that. And see how much you like it.
3: Yeah, I'm telling you.
4: That, you know, and the Raptors do things for it's first class ownership. They don't chintz. They do things the right way. It's it's a first class organization. So from top to bottom. And believe me, there's a lot of franchises in the NBA that don't operate at the same level. So Uh, If you're a player, uh, this is one of the best franchises, if not the best, to play in the NBA.
0: See, I I have it from my sources, Jack, that Gary Trent would be willing to re-sign only if Toronto had a soup and sandwich shop. That was in line with what Carlo requires. (laughs) You know, beef, barley, a nice little sandwich. There are some good spots downtown, Carlo, I will say. Uh, Soup and sandwich. There's a place, uh, oh, what's it called? had it, Ravi Soups. Had it the other day. Fantastic stuff. Good stuff. Really good soup.
4: I like your way of, you know, and, and, you know, you see what goes on in college athletics and there's all these little side deals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so why would not you just create this little side deal with this <laughs> soup and salad? Well, uh, it, it does seem. Sandwich. Oh, we're adding, it... sal- I'm adding salads now. Oh, salads. To the Come sandwiches. on, Jack. Let's not there go crazy. You go. romaine lettuce is yeah. too expensive.
0: <laughs> I will say. Salad? salad? It does seem like every Raptor has their own, like, deal these days. Like, Scotty Barnes. Subway. Subway. You see, like, everyone's got something. Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi with those beard trimmers. I mean, those <laughs> guys, every, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So, yeah. Can
4: I can I make a point? You guys are joking, but uh, can I make a point to that?
0: Yeah,
2: of
4: course. Yeah. That's, a, that's another reason why this sure. is a great market to play in. Because if you look at a lot of other markets, I'm telling you, Uh, that doesn't exist. You know, there is an opportunity to do very well here in this market and because it's a national brand. You're not a regional brand. You're not playing in San Antonio or Houston, uh, which, you know, which uh, it's a regional brand. This is a national brand. So whatever you are involved with is on a national basis here in Canada. And again, you're in, you know, you look at the size of Toronto. I mean, you have uh, New York, Los Angeles, and then Toronto is the number three market population wise, the GTA in the NBA. So it's, it's a huge deal. There's great opportunities here for players, uh, not only from a recruitment standpoint, but from a retention standpoint. You joke about that, but in, in, in all honesty, you go around the league, if you're playing in Indiana or Detroit or places like that, Maybe you're doing a, a commercial for a, a you know, a, a, a car dealer or a junk, a junk, uh, you know, junk uh, <laughs> yeah, place yeah. or whatever. But it's it's not it's not to the level that it is here, and that's my point. And, uh And there's great opportunity here for guys.
0: It's no, you're you're spot on, and that is definitely a lure. You know, you can only give so much money under the salary cap, but if you have a bunch of advertisers willing to give you uh, some money to do commercials and radio spots and whatever, uh, it definitely adds to the bottom line. Jack, thank you for doing this. Uh, Always great to have you on the show. Uh, We'll catch up with you next week.
4: Guys, thank you so much. And, Carlo, when you buy that place, uh, I'm happy to do some spots for you. Oh. I'll have my people talk to your people. <laughs> oh, You're my look God, a Jack. Talk. That
1: would be unbelievable. Like <laughs> you, you you talk about a home run, like Jack promoting my spot? No, yes. That's, that's a lock the only success. problem is
4: uh, I don't have any people, and you probably don't have any people either. So it'll be you and I having a beer uh, solving this. <laughs>
0: I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to attend as well, fellas. Jack, we got to we got to wrap. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, right. Jack Armstrong, Carlos Soup and Sandwich Shop opening 2024. Mm. Yeah, you would. We would have great. We would have so many great ideas. Soup club like you get a like you you become part of the club where you, we get emails we send you uh, like you know different merch offers merch bang merch bang, oh, merch, bang, bang, hurry, <laughs> bang merch. soup oh yeah <laughs> first up hats first you up hats it, man buddy. there's something here our soup and sandwich yeah, shop now i am we I'm could do, do live remotes in. from inside our soup yes. and sandwich spot. i mean morning shows and uh and soup and sandwich yeah, you know we can get it going like 10:30 it's like a brunch a brunch spot almost hey we could make soup, soup for breakfast a thing Soup for breakfast, you know that's something we right? do We do a lot of yes. time we're in studio. Uh, in any case, my fan duel best bets coming up on the other side. we got to get some capital for you to make your sandwich and soup empire, and we're mm. going to start next. <laughs> the plans are in the works. Carlos soup and sandwich shop could be coming your way in downtown Toronto or perhaps in Oakville. In 2024, we've got some great ideas. But first, today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Some. Big favorites in the National Hockey League tonight, and I like them both. Colorado hosting Anaheim. I'm going to take the Avs on the puck line, minus a goal and a half at minus 150. And the Chicago Blackhawks have been absolutely horrible of late. We saw their performance against the Vancouver Canucks earlier this week, where they recorded 12 shots on goal against Vancouver. Now they are in Calgary to play the Flames. I'm on the Flames. Minus the goal and a half as well at minus 150. And shifting over to the NBA slate. Love the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight in Houston to take on the Rockets. A team that gives up a ridiculous amount of points. I think Cleveland has their way with Houston. Take them minus eight. Today's best bets have been brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Carlo, today. Is your final day as a thirty-nine-year-old man? Oh, I want yeah, you to savor true. each and every moment because the next time I see you, you will be forty. You will be over the hill, and so does that mean broken. I get a
1: uh, a day off as my gift for being forty? Like I don't like that'd be a nice thing for
0: Jeff and Steph to offer me is hey, you know what? Here's a little gift for
1: you. Take the day off tomorrow. You
0: can try. You can try. Um yeah. I don't expect that to happen but really where else would you rather spend your birthday than with me and 20 fingers and cheese and our audience I can't think of a better way to spend the big four uh, I mean, underneath my covers in my bed would be a nice spot to start. But You can do uh, that at 9.58. And you can do that <laughs> as soon as we wrap up today's program. Thank you to all of our guests. Again, thank you to Cheese. Thank you to 20 Fingers. Coco, you and I will be back for the big B-Day celebration. We've got some big plans in the works tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Ciao.